Today's show is sponsored by the MultiorgasmicMama.com. If lack of confidence, low libido, or guilt and shame around your sexuality are the cause of your bedroom woes, you know, the hot wild sex you never have anymore, or the transition into motherhood that sucked your libido dry, let me help you get your mojo and magnetic feminine spark back. Magic, miracles, total self-love, and multi-orgasmic bliss included. See you at TheMultiorgasmicMama.com. Hey everyone, it's Lacey Broussard here with Joyce Oladipo. Hey Joyce, how are you today? I'm so excited to be joining you. Oh my God, this is just amazing. The topic we're going to be talking about is the bomb. I know, I'm so excited. This is going to be so valuable <laughs> for many people. So you want to start just by telling us a little bit about yourself, what you do, all the wonderful things you're doing in the world? Sure, let's get started. Um, as you already know, my name is Joyce Lanico and I am an international sex, love, and relationship coach for ambition women who desire to reignite deep, satisfying love in the relationship, experience sexual bliss, and awaken deep orgasmic pleasure in their body. And I'm so honored to be working with this woman through group programs, one-on-one programs, and I've actually started to do retreats all over Europe, just teaching them how to, you know, reignite sexual fire, create strong relationship, and actually just own a deep, satisfying lifestyle. Mm, that sounds so juicy. We need more of you. <laughs> <laughs> cool. What is the story behind what you, what got you doing this work? What's your inspiration? Yeah. You know what? Um, about three years ago, I almost offered a divorce for my husband because I felt like I was, um, you know, he wasn't enjoying his sex life. I wasn't having sex with him. I had severe vulvodynia for so many years. And anytime I had sex with him, I just always feel so much pain, had yeast infection. I just never enjoyed it. Even though I had two beautiful kids in my marriage, I just felt like sex was shit. So for us, I would say that maybe we have sex three or four times a year. And I just felt so bad about it. So I told him, one day I just told him and I said, you know what? I want to set you free. I want you to do what you want because I know that you always feel horny every night and I don't want to have sex with you. So I just felt like maybe you should start going out there and looking for the love of your life. Thank God my husband told me that he felt like I deserve to have sexual pleasure in my body as well. So he said, don't you feel like you want to talk to someone about this? Maybe a coach, a therapist. And a light bulb just lit up in my head. And I said, maybe I should give this a try. And I just started to, you know what? I went on Google or YouTube or something. And I, talk, I typed in how to have orgasm. And this lady's video popped out. She had so many videos on, you know, having great sex, intimacy, building your relationship. I literally binged watch the videos uh, for a couple of weeks. And I started to engage with, you know, sexual experiences with my intercourse, basically, with my husband. And things started to work out for us. So what got me going in this journey is the lady that I was watching on video, I decided to hire her for a year. And while I was in the program with her and the other ladies that were in the program, I started to work on my own sexuality, giving myself, uh, you know, of course, we did a lot of self-pleasuring. We had, I did a lot of dehammering and I had to empower myself as well as a sexual being. And over time, I just started to be more confident in the bedroom. 
And what I loved about the transformational process was it also allowed me to build my own confidence as a woman, as a mom, as a lover as well. And I love the program so much that I decided to make it my own mission to help a lot of women because there's so many women. I mean, I would say thousands of women that don't know how to get their needs met. They're suffering in their relationship. They just feel that they have to stay in it and they don't really know what they truly desire. So I made it my own mission to you know, be a support for other women as well, because I felt like my sexual experience is what empowered me to be a better person, a leader, a mom, a friend, and just better be a better person myself. So based on that, that's basically why I went on this journey as to be a sexuality coach myself. Wow, that is amazing, Joyce. I loved hearing that, the journey and the progression of the transformation and how it completely transform your relationship. And I also love that your husband was like, wait, no, you deserve pleasure too. Why don't you work on this? Yeah. You see somebody. Wow. What a man. <laughs> what a man, right? It's, it's, and I think that was the most, that was the best thing that ever happened to me. Cause there's one, some that, you know, some people, they just divorce. Not that I'm saying divorce is either bad or good, but he was the one that actually, um, you know, brought it to my awareness that you deserve pleasure too. No matter where it is, you deserve pleasure too. He felt like it was my birthright. And I, for me, because I had vulvodynia for so many years and I was teased when I was young. And I feel that my vulvodynia stemmed from religious conditioning as well. Um, you know, that sex was bad. You're going to burn in hell from there. So from there, my, my yoni just feared sex because I don't want to burn in hell. Even though I was married, it was just so programmed in my brain and subconsciousness that when I want to have penetration, it just like close up, it clamps up and it just wouldn't open up for anything at all. So, you know, so he felt like he knew that it was an issue, but he just didn't know what it was. And he felt like I deserve pleasure as well. And he also wanted to experience that with me. He felt that he deserves to also experience pleasure with me as well, because we've been together for so long. Why can't he also enjoy pleasure with me? So he took a stand for his desires and he gave me permission to take a stand for my desires as well. So that was, to be honest, mind blowing for me. If not, I'll probably be stuck with my kids, not looking for another partner and just feel like I'm just born to suffer for the rest of my life. Oh, wow. That is so amazing. Could you explain real quick what vulvodynia is for those of the listeners that don't know? Just real quick. Yeah, vulvodynia or vaginalism is more like uh, attention that you feel around your yoni, which I feel comes from your subconscious. It's not like you really want to shut your 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 yoni. It's more like you want to feel safe. So it's, it's like stuck in your subconscious that sex is bad or sex is or dangerous or whatever. So you just want to keep yourself safe. So your yoni or your pussy just clamps up or closes up that the, your husband or partner's penis will not be able to penetrate you. So you're just like so blocked and, you know, just so blocked and, uh, and nothing will be able to go in. And you, from there, you start to have infection because I started to have infection because he was trying to poke me with his penis so many times. And I started having yeast infection. And I really didn't know why my yoni was clamping up and just closing up. I didn't know why. So in my head, I was like, I was broken. You know, I was floored. I, I, there's something wrong with me. I'm broken. So that was how that, what I had in my brain. Yeah. I'm curious too, did the lack of desire in the vulvodynia and then, you know, it kind of resulting in a very much a sexless marriage in some way, uh, did that happen before or after you had children? 
Great question. It, to be honest, I've only known my guy. Uh, I've never had sex with any other man. I was a virgin when I met him. So I was somebody that was very religious by, by the time I met him. And so I never knew that I was suffering till after like so many years, because for the first two years, we never made love because I was like, oh, sex was sin, blah, 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 blah. And he just hung in there. You know, he just kept on staying there and just saying that this is the woman I want to be with. So we never had sex for a couple of years. And when we started to have sex, it was just always painful. So I'm not going to say that sometimes it wouldn't penetrate. There would be penetration, but I would have severe pain in my belly or I would be sick for days or I'll have yeast infection, as I said, when I do have a penetration. So it started from the very earliest time that I started having sex. And I, to be honest, I would say that I started having sex uh, maybe when I was 25 or 26 or something. So that's all I've known. I've never known uh, anything different that was exciting or fun. That's all I've known. I've just known sex to be painful. Wow. Okay. Well, of course, until you started watching those videos and doing all the transformation. <laughs> exactly. Right. When I started to give myself permission to watch the videos, which was, uh, which was disgusting at the time, but I had to open myself up to it, to explore it and start working on it. And over time, I started to believe that the God, the universe wants me to have pleasure. You know, I heard read or know that I have 7,000 nerve endings in my clitoris or in my vagina there. So why do I have all that if God didn't want me to have pleasure? So I had to reprogram my brain that pleasure was amazing, that I'm meant to have it. I'm not only supposed to just have babies, like two babies, and, and that's it. Pleasure is supposed to be my birthright. And when I started to work on my mindset around it, I started to surrender to pleasure gently, 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 gently. I have my moments, but and then it started to be more fun, um, you know, over time. Yeah. Wow. So cool. And you even went on to do more trainings with Jaya, I think you had mentioned. And yes. Yes, I did. Yeah, I did. I went on to... Exactly. I went on to learn with Jaya because the first course I did was with Leila Martin. We both were on that course, um, which was amazing. And uh, there was something missing because I felt like I didn't have sex skills. I want to be really erotic in bedroom. I just felt like, okay, I was having missionary sex, but nothing was exciting. So I read a book from Jaya and I can't remember what it was, but it was something linked to kinky sex. And I really love the um, psychology behind um, kinky sex. And I decided to work with her and uh, started to learn about sexual skills that makes romance exciting, that makes sex life exciting. And I got certified in our work as well. And th those are the things that I brought into my relationship that makes my sex life really exciting. And that's what I'm going to be sharing with you today as well. Yeah. And I think that book is Cuffed, Tied and Satisfied. But... Exactly. That's the book. Yes. Love it, love it. I love that book. You know, I love that book and it made kinky um, really amazing for me because I just started to explore kinky myself with her work. I realized that I am sensual kinky. And at the time before that, I just thought sex was just sex. But then I realized that what actually makes a sex a life really exciting is when we explore the different type of archetypes or erotic blueprints in sexuality that's what makes sex exciting if not you're just doing the boring old thing that you already know mm -hmm. yeah i love the archetype play and all of that as mm -hmm. well i would i haven't mm -hmm. done that course but that's definitely on the list <laughs> beautiful yeah, yeah go for it 
Well, let's talk about sexless relationships and marriages. What do yeah. you, tell me about this. And, and I also want to know, like, what is, in your opinion, the biggest reason that this happens to couples who really love each other, who have a family together, mm. and they have a great relationship. Everything seems perfect on the outside, but in the inside, they are miserable, and they're not connecting, mm. and they're not having sex. <sighs> you know what? I would say there are two things that really kills passion in relationship or creates a sexless relationship. The first one is lack of passion. And the second one is the lack of sexual skills for sexual satisfaction. So the first one is, for me, I believe that passion is, you know, means intimate connection and sexual tension because that's what I believe that creates radiant sexual aliveness and when two couples you know when we start dating it's always exciting you want to have sex every day it's novelty there's fun you know there's vibrancy and everybody's making an effort to make things really exciting but over time we start to lose the passion and we lose the passion because of the arguments the bills the kids i don't know lots of things makes us lose the passion. So the woman starts to feel ugly or she starts to feel unappreciated. I've been there, so I'm telling you my story here. So you start to feel unappreciated. You start to feel, um, you start to lose your body confidence. Uh, you start to feel ugly. And as a man, you, they start to feel undervalued and they start to feel that they're criticized all the time and they start to feel that they're not man enough. And the passion starts to die in a relationship. And it's normal because there's ups and downs in relationship. A lot of people don't know how to communicate in a way where we respect each other or in a way that the other guy or the guy, the guy doesn't feel emasculated or the woman doesn't feel used. We don't know how to communicate in that way. We were never taught at school. Our parents were never a good example of communication. And we start to lose the passion. So that's the first thing that stops sex or that makes sex feels cold and limp and, you know, lifeless. And the second one, which I feel is really, really important, is learning sexual skills that create sexual satisfaction. I believe that about 65 to 68 women are not getting their needs met. They're just having sex for the sake of it, but they don't really know how to act for what they want. There's no sex education out there. We were just told to make babies and just, I don't know, watch porn and just be off service to guys. And guys just feel that they can just climb on us and just hump us away. So there's no sex education out there. So we women, we don't know how to you know, tap into our desire. We don't know how to ask for what we want without feeling shameful. And we don't know how to get what we want in our relationship. We all know like a few sexual, um, uh, sexual uh, techniques here and there that we've played. You know, we've learned it in Cosmopolitan, Glamour Magazine, Erotism, blah, 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 or porn. And we practice these skills. But I feel that this skill is not what makes the relationship last. We need to start learning about, you know, deeper techniques that allow us to explode erotically. And the only way to do that, and I feel that that's what's missing in a relationship, and the only way to do that is basically learning about the erotic blueprints that we are all wired to experience. We're all different people, you know, and we're all wired differently erotically. But the more we learn about the erotic blueprint, we start to know who we are and we start to learn about the communication scale, the shadow side of the erotic blueprint. And we start to communicate 
you know, be able to express our needs, and our partner will be able to satisfy our needs as well. And there are five different erotic blueprints. There's, um, I think, there's energetic, there's sensual, there's sexual, there's kinky, and there's shapeshifter. And there are different types of ways to turn them on, and there are different types of ways to play as well. So we can play in our own erotic blueprint, or we can expand into our partner's erotic blueprint as well. And that was what I feel that. Um, and that's what I feel that brings excitement into a relationship. But most of us, we don't know, you know, we're just playing the way we've learned from school, from our colleagues, from our girlfriends, from porn movies or whatever it is, sex in the city, whatever it is, that's where we learned our skill from. And this for me is not solid enough to keep romance and aliveness uh, forever. Yeah. Oh my God. I love, thank you so much for sharing the uh, different erotic blueprints. As you were saying them, I'm like, I bet I'm energetic and kinky. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> okay. There is there that yes, combination, huh? I wonder. Yeah, then that combination as well. Yeah. You first start with the first two, and then you can expand into the other blueprint because that's what makes sex um, very exciting. You know, I'm not sexual. I'm sensual. And I really love my husband to turn me on with the sensual, but then I can play in the sexual sometimes as well. And sometimes I can go into the kinky real hard as well, because I know the language of all those languages. But first, what really turns me on, my entry point is always sensual. So you can play in any of the blueprint. I mean, just, it's just that when you're first starting out, you have your own erotic wiring. But to make things super, super exciting, you want to explore the other blueprints as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, that makes so much sense. Yes, because then nothing will ever get boring. <laughs> exactly, right? And then nothing ever gets boring. That's <laughs> secret. Totally. Awesome. Okay, so <laughs> how in the world did both of you get on board to doing this type of work together? So like, what is it going to take for both partners, for those listening in that are in like super low sex or no sex relationships? What does it take from both of them to revive a sexless marriage or relationship? For me, I would definitely say desire is the first thing. Um, I mean, if you have a sexless relationship, both of you still have to have the desire to want to be together. For me, that's really, really important. I also do a little bit of a mindset. Like for me, I always, I don't, I do, my work is I work with women in relationship, but I don't do couple work. So my work is so unique in a way that I empower the woman to be a better lover. Mm -hmm. So the universe would align you with whatever is best for you. So it could be that you're going to be with a partner or the guy will fiddle away and you have amazing sex with someone else. So it doesn't really matter what it is. So the guy that you're in partnership with, that you're in partnership and you feel that the relationship is secular, the first thing is desire is so important. Desire that is a little bit tricky, might be a slower route. But either way, the first thing that me and Abby, my husband, did was I went back to communication. I'm not talking about communication is just to get, I don't know, the basic communication that I inbox. Talking, we're talking about reviving sex life here. So I went back into giving myself permission to communicate in seductive, connecting, and inviting ways, which is what I never did because I was the angel that was going to carry everybody to heaven. So, you know, that for me was filthy. But I had to give myself permission to talk in erotic language, you know, in a way that is seductive for my man that will wake him up. I've never made him see me in the, you know, that made him see me in a different light. 
So I had to embody a, a blueprint and communicate in that level. So the first thing is communication, just learning how to communicate in seductive, connecting and inviting ways, speaking, you know, in arousal words, languages with presence that you know, touches the turn-on part of the brain, right? Those are one of the few things that, you know, get the arousal going. And also communicating in a way that your partner feel, the, the, your partner's nervous system feels very relaxed and turned on and feel that they are safe to open up. You know, because for a relationship to have gone sexless or, you know, it meant that everything, maybe there was no safety, there was no communication. So it's really, really starting again, like dating again, but creating safety for your partner to be able to show up and making sure that their nervous system feel, they have to feel in their body that it's safe for them to, to approach you or you also need to feel safe that you can approach them because even at this fragile state, a no could mean like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not blah, blah, blah. So it's really about owning your communication skills. So what I did with Abby was I spent uh, every day, I just told you for five minutes, no phone, no TV, no kids. We need to talk about our desires, fears, and love and desire. Desires, fears, and love. Mm -hmm. So we spent five minutes doing that. And I started to open up and relax in my body and create safety in my own body. And he started to open up and create safety and, you know, safety in his own body. And he was able to open up and share his own desires with no judgment. Just for five minutes, I would tell him to share his desires, fears, and love. And desires are what do you desire in the relationship? Um, fear is what do you fear about the relationship? And love would be what do you love about me? Literally. So you just face each other, just say five minutes and just say that. They should, do, they should tell you their love and desires and you just say, uh, I hear you, thank you. And then I face my partner as well and I will tell him my fear, love and desires and he would just say, thank you, I love you. No judgment. And over time, I think we did it for about a month, it took us a while, I started to feel safe in my body to open up and he started to feel safe in his body. To be honest, during those process, he told me about his sexual abuse, which I never knew when we were married. I never knew that he was sexually abused by his aunt. And he told me about it. I, it, was, I, it shook me up, but I had to like hold space for him to let him know that he's safe and he's, he, you know, I have no judgment that he's safe. I'm going to be there for him. So communication is so paramount. So when you start with that, that then you can start going into the seductive, you know, the exciting part, the inviting side of communication. And that for me is what brings the light and passion back. The second one would be attraction, which I would definitely put on the woman here because we need to love our body fully. We need to embody, you know, be an embodiment of self-love. If you don't love your body, you are not going to have great sex. I was there. I remember I hated sex. I hated making love with the light on. I hated my boobies moving up and down. I was like, what is wrong with this thing? You should be, be perfect, not bouncing up and down. I hated my belly. I hated my bum. I hated every damn thing. And if I was having sex and I was feeling pain, I hated the way I look. So I hated to have the light on. So sex for me was always in my head. I wasn't feeling the sensation. And that's also why I wasn't able to surrender and feel pleasure. And I kept on feeling pain. So self-love and body love is so, so important. Is the foundation of absolute sex life, a great sex life, definitely. And I would say that attraction also comes from, you know, 
creating or experiencing adventure dates with your partner, start doing adventure dates. And adventure dates always comprises um, mystery, obstacles, and naughtiness. And that's what we always have when we first dated a partner. You know, there's mystery, uh, there's this obstacle, maybe you can't go or whatever, you're at work, you have to sneak out of work, whatever it might be. And then you're being naughty, you know, touching each other a little bit, kissing in the, in the restaurant, blah, blah, blah. You know, those things bring a lightness. And most of us, we go to restaurants now, we're on our phone. I mean, we're going on a date and we're on our phone. We're just like bored to death that we are with this man. And we need to start, you know, bringing back the mystery, you know, start doing exciting dates that you've never done before. Maybe go out there and just have a picnic at night where you're just watching the stuff. Not movie. I mean, there's lots of exciting things you can do together, you know, that would bring back the spice up. And then, yeah, and because I feel that these kind of dates is what brings a lot of these sexual tension and sexual chemistry back to life. That's another thing. And another part um, that I would say that couples that want to reignite uh, passion in their relationship is exploring their sexual edge together. You know, stop doing the missionary sex stuff. You know, just buy a key and close the door. The kids are not going to come in. Just tell them that, man, you can come in in the next half an hour. This is our time. And we need to start exploring sex. We need to start, you know, exploring our sexual edge. Start getting into the kinky. Start going into the sensational sex, the wow sex, season, you know, sensual sex. Start exploring that because that is what makes sex exciting. Of course, you want to create a safe container for each other, which I feel will come from the communication that you've been practicing in the beginning. You can start expressing your fears around that time and they can listen to you, right? So we need to start exploring our sexual edge. And as a woman, right? I want us all to start making a regular practice to do JDAG practices, which you were amazing at doing. Another thing that I'll add on is having this orgasmic um, reclamation practice, redefining what orgasm for, is for you. Because I felt like everybody has to have this tingling feeling or whatever it might be, the orgasm might be. I had, I had to redefine what it meant to have an orgasm in my body. If not, I would never feel orgasmic. I just felt like, oh, it's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to be like this. It's supposed to feel like this. And I was getting lost in the whole theory. So I had to practice. Um, I had to spend quality time like every day for, you know, five days a week for a while, for about a year last year, learning about what orgasm is for my own body. So I practiced some orgasmic reclamation. I just had to redefine what um, pleasure is in, in my own body. And then I also did some erotic practices to start embodying, you know, all the erotic blueprints as well, owning into that. And I started to do some practices in that. And, you know, I started to own it because for you to really enjoy sex that is amazing, we have to be an erotic artist. It's so important. We all both have to be an erotic artist. And that's basically why I love this work so much. I love teaching sex skills. I love teaching um, erotic secrets that helps my clients um, experience erotic possibilities. That's basically why I love this work so much. So as I said, the first one is communication. Amazing. The first thing is yeah. communication. And not only basic communication, learning how to talk in seductive and connecting and inviting way, the attraction aspects, bringing back the mystery, the obstacle, the naughtiness. And then the third one is really exploring our sexual edge with a partner or without a partner. It's important that we embody that.
What an amazing journey you've been on. Oh my God. I think everyone that's listening is probably like, damn, you went from like having a sexless marriage and the few times you did have sex, it was like super painful and it hurt to like be this fucking erotic genius or gas goddess. (laughs) That's like Ah, total transformation, Joyce. Holy fuck. (laughs) <laughs> it's been a journey. It's been a journey. So I'm so honored. I think I'm just born to do this work. <laughs> oh, yeah, you are. That's why, we, that's why we, we know each other, right? Because we're both. Right? <laughs> um, okay. So what was your journey like through this? Like what were, wait, okay. Let me backtrack for just a second. Mm. How long have you been on this journey? Because I want people to know like how long it took you to go from being in a completely painful slash no sex marriage to where you are today? Great question there. And I would, I would answer this for you because I, everybody's journey is different, Mm -hmm. but for me, I only started maybe about three years ago. I've been on this journey for a little bit more, not that long to be honest, but I feel that I've also maybe what I'll be talking about later in the future or later. We'll see. But um, I feel that what made a change is, you really have to believe that the universe has got your back because desires are desires. They're meant to be, they're meant to experience, be experienced. And a lot of us, we get lost in the story of, you know, of our abuse, which I do honor and respect or of this and that, whatever it might be, our divorce or our childhood or our God or whatever it might be. But desire is desire. It's meant to be experienced. And I had to, rewire my brain and I know that if I have this desire it's meant to happen it's meant to be experienced so I made my desire a priority and that's what created a shift because I could make my pain and my sorrow uh, you know a priority and then I would just always be lost in the you know I'll be rolling around on the pain but I made my desire a priority and I decided to own that and I felt like that was what got me you know, that's what, why my own journey was so quick is because I just made it a, a priority to follow my desire. I like, no, this is what I'm feeling in my body right now. This is what I want. So I am not going to choose my pain. I am going to choose pleasure. So I made it a, every day. I just always chose pleasure. I said, no, this is what I'm feeling. This is what the universe wants me to have. My God, my inner being, my original essence wants me to feel pleasure. So I kept on pushing through it and taking a stand for my pleasure and owning it and reaching out to pleasure all the time. And the more I did that, the more it became my truth. Literally, the more I did that, the more I was able to, it became my truth. So now I'm just natural it. It's just who I am right now. And it's mainly because I keep on reaching out for pleasure and my desires. Mm-hmm. That just gave me goosebumps. Claim your desires, ladies. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. So much mm-hmm. power in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're fucking born for that. You know, I, I love how you pointed that out. That's Thank perfect. You. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oddly enough, when I talk to my ladies, a mm-hmm. lot of them express a fear around what their partner will think when they work on their own sexuality. Because like you, I too, most of 99% of the time work with just women who are in a partnership. A lot of them are in a partnership 
and they, you know, ultimately mm -hmm. want the sex within the partnership to be better, but I work with them and empower them personally mm -hmm. first before we even talk about. Okay. So awesome. what they're, you know, how do we work around this fear of the woman feeling like, oh my God, what is he going to think? I, I, it's odd, but I hear it all the time. So I'm just wondering about what you've heard and, and how this has panned out in your practice as well. Great question there. As I already said earlier, it's, it's always trust in the desire because I don't believe that just, you know, I, I know we can, I mean, we can talk with our partners and all that, which is something that we can do eventually in the, you know, later in the week of your coaching practice with them or coaching sessions with them. But for me is I, Joyce Oladipo, I take a stand for my desire. At this, you know, at the first session with my partner, I'm like, don't worry about him yet for the next few weeks. You take a stand for your desire. Because as I said, I believe in the, in the universe. I believe that when you take a, a stand for your desire, the universe would line it up for you. Everybody would benefit. You can't worry about a partner because that's codependency. And you can't also feel that he's going to join you on board or not. You don't know. He has his own journey as well as you have your own journey. We're both married. We are. But we are both came, hopefully, you both came into the relationship 100% full, which means you don't need each other, but you add up to each other's life. You add on. You're not dependent on each other. That's another thing that a lot of women are. They will say, oh, my soulmate, or he fills me up, or he's my 50% half or other half, all mm -hmm. that shit. For oh. me, it doesn't work. Because okay. when you do <laughs> yeah that one drives me nuts too <laughs> <laughs> you know you the other half or the 50 percent off something i don't know what it might be but i am not 50 percent of no man i am 100 percent me if not 110 percent. he is just an add-on to me i can be 200 with him that's fine or i can be 150 but i am 110 of myself so i would always tell the women that come to you that they need to take a stand on their desire. They need to trust their desire that their un the universe, God, the universe, the original essence wants them to feel pleasure, wants them to have erotic expansion, want them to be orgasmic in life, in all areas of their life. So they need to take a stand for that because I believe that this desire is pretty much the ultimate desire to the path of happiness and joy. And for me, my priority is joy. I don't owe anyone else anything. My priority is joy. And I always had to repeat this to myself that I deserve um, ecstatic love. I deserve mind-blowing orgasm. I deserve freedom of expression. And one thing that I always do to allow me to step into that, you know, embodied self is I had to empower a self-personality in me that desires to be an empowered lover because these people are coming to you because they want to feel orgasmic. They want to be an empowered lover. So they can't depend on some guy that would show up the way they are showing up. It's great if they do. To be honest, I was just lucky to find him. I mean, my husband to show up. We have moments. You know, that I have to really look, close the door and own my pleasure by myself without no guy. 
with JDAG, with a crystal dildo, or just breast massages, you know, just to feel embodied. So I had to work on an, um, an empowered subpersonality that allows me to stay in my desire every day. You know, it's important that you do that. And then I start to speak out empowering and supportive thoughts and ideas and encouragement that allows me to take my step forward. So instead of me having to ask for my partner's permission, I am the woman of pleasure. I am the one that is commanding my orgasm. I am the one that is going after my joy. I don't depend on someone else. So it's important that the women claim their desires, own their desires. I know that this is the only way that they would feel happy in their own life. And apart from that, the people that they're supposed to inspire, their kids, the people at their workplace, even their partner, the only way they can do it is taking ownership of their desire. Mm-hmm. Then is it safe to say that you going off and working on your own sexual empowerment saved your marriage? Exactly. That's exactly what saved my marriage. It was me going on my own journey and exploring my own body, learning about my own erotic blueprint and just owning it, getting over my shame that I need somebody to fuck me for me for things to be exciting. I had to explore my body, self-love, you know, self-pleasuring, JDEG, reclaiming my orgasmic, uh, you know, explanation and reclamation. I had to own that. And the more I did that, the universe met me halfway, which was Abby met me halfway. He met me there because we, we were meant to be together. So he aligned with it. And that's why I say that your partner would align to that. You don't even have to pester them. And that's another skill, obviously, is better communication and not seeing the bad in your person. That's another thing when we're talking about reviving sex life. But when you're in alignment, you always see the, you always have empathy for, empathy for your partner as well. So you're not going to be seeing the awful side of them. You're always going to see the side of them that reflects in you. Because when you always see the negative side of your partner, which I've noticed in my relationship, to be honest, where anytime I complain about my partner, I realize it's a little child of me that I haven't accepted, a little part of me that I haven't accepted. So the more I started to embrace my partner, the more he rose up to what he's supposed to be in my life as well, because he's a reflection of what I desire in my life. So it's also universal law as well. So just work on your own pleasure, owning your own pleasure, and the universe will match up your love. Wherever that might be, he would match it up for you partner or no partner, he would match it up for you. So that's what it is because relationship is amazing. I feel that, but I don't necessarily also feel that we should just say that better for worse. That statement is just, we should leave it out. We should just leave it to God to decide because we're all here to expand erotically and expand the universe. So whatever that might mean, we should leave that definition of better for worse in universe to decide. So, and I always leave that. And I feel that when you're meant to be with somebody, he would always rise up to who you are meant to be because you are both there to make an impact in the universe. So he would rise up. So you should not, we should all not be concerned about our partners that we want them to meet up to our desires. We should just own our desires and the universe will sort it out. <laughs> so much yes to this. <laughs> Well, is there one thing that you could say to any couples listening in that are in an unsatisfying oh, low or no sex relationship? Can I just say a thousand or a million things? <laughs> <laughs> yes, go for it. 
No, I just go for one. So the one thing that I would say that couples could do to, you know, in their unsatisfying relationship would be to learn and understand each other's erotic blueprint. That's so important. You both need to know your erotic blueprint, learn how to communicate in the language, learn about the shadow side and learn about getting each other's need met and also how you can actually get your own needs met without your partner. That's one thing. And then another thing that I would say is you both need to start exploring the other person's erotic blueprint with love, compassion, and understanding. Because if somebody is kinky and you are sensual, sometimes we might find it difficult to go kinky with them because we have judgment, we have all the shame, blah, blah, blah. So we need to start gently exploring the other erotic blueprint in a way that makes us feel comfortable and in a way that the other person that is, you know, that you are in partnership with feels that you love them, you're honoring their boundaries, they're being heard and they're also being understand as well, understood as well. Yes, thank you so much. That was an awesome, uh, awesome suggestion to tell them. I love that so much. Awesome. <laughs> okay, and last question for you. What's your number one tip or trick for becoming a multi-orgasmic mama? <laughs> One thing that I would say is the number one trick or not even trick or tip, the one thing that allows you to expand into a multi-orgasmic mama because we are all orgasmic is we need to redefine what it means to be a multi-orgasmic mama. We have to do that, especially we be moms because orgasm has seasons. Even as sexual cycle, they are seasonal, you know, so we need to embody different phases of our life. There's winter orgasm, there's summer orgasm, there's autumn orgasm, and there's uh, another one, spring orgasm. There's different phases of orgasm that we have. So it shouldn't always be like, oh my God, I have this full-blown orgasm. No, it can be any damn thing that we want it to be. And a lot of us always feel that this is the way it's supposed to be. And because we're not feeling that way, we now disconnect in our body, that our body is broken. We've had one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids. And then we just disconnect because we feel that we're not feeling the orgasm that we had before. And that's bullshit. Mm -hmm. So we mamas, we need to redefine what orgasm is for us to be multi-orgasmic and honor the sexual cycle that we are. And one thing that I'll add on to this is practice body love every day because we grow, our boobies go saggy, we have stretch mark, Ioni is doing whatever he wants to do and we're putting on weight, losing weight, losing hair, growing more hair. I don't know. We need to make body love a priority because for me, if we do that, sex would always be fabulous at whatever phase it is. So I just thought I should put there. Oh, I love that. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on today, Joyce. It was so amazing to hear your story and your journey and such valuable information you shared. Oh my God. I can't, I can't even imagine how this is going to change some lives. <laughs> I'm so excited that I was able to share my story. Oh my God. This was, was amazing. And this is my story and this is my truth. And I just hope that people see some lights and they just see what's possible for themselves when they do give themselves permission to explore their desires. So I'm so excited that I was able to share it and it's such a blessing. Thank you for inviting me. Yes. All right. Thank you, Joyce.